Welcome to Manager Tools. Manager Tools and Race and Gender. This cast answers these questions. How is Manager Tools guidance affected by race or gender? What are Manager Tools data on race and gender differences? How should different races or genders apply the Trinity? Well, if you want answers to these questions and more, keep listening. Here we go. If you're an HR professional struggling with developing a program for a large group of managers, 150 or more, you may want to consider licensing our content where your resources, your own resources, your trainers, for instance, teach our guidance. We can help you learn how to deliver our content to get the most value, where you can train small groups at your convenience. Our model makes it affordable against other training options as the groups get bigger. Let us share with you what we can do. After all, mine and Mike's original mission still stands every manager effective, every professional productive. The more we can help, the better off we all are. Just reach out to Maggie at Maggie at manager-tools.com to learn more. Probably in the last two or three years, it seems like it's gotten more. We've gotten a lot of questions about the effect of race and gender on the use of the Trinity. Not sure why that's picked up as, as it has, but it has. And I think the assumption when people ask the question is that there is some difference. Yep. And the difference is negative for non-white, non-males. That statement is just hard to even get out of my mouth, to be honest with you. But yeah, that's what people, that's what some people say. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's an assumption and um, our data support no such difference and never have. Um, and it's often awkward when people ask. Um, I think part of it is because they hear it coming from two white males. Um, but I generally think of the data and I'm at peace with what our data say. Right. So, if you get right into that, uh, we've got we've got four uh, points we want to make here. First of all, I want to give everybody some brief history about our data. We did this before in the data cast we did about one on ones, and sometime I think in March or April of this year, um, we're going to do feedback. Uh, it takes me a while to gather all this stuff up, but anyway, we're going to give some history, and then we're going to talk about what the data say about race. And then we're going to talk about what the data say about gender. And then we'll share briefly, what does it mean based on our guidance, which obviously our guidance is driven by the data we have over the years. Good. Okay. So let's talk about the data. And, and folks, I, this is not new to me. Mark and I have talked about it before, but this is, <laughs> this is data that predates me. So most of our data is, right? I don't think people understand that. I think certainly if you're just starting to listen or whatever, it's, it's easy to go, Oh yeah, these are those guys, and they don't, um, you know. Before the podcast, you were a friend and a classmate, and then a colleague in the army, and then I helped you get your first job, and then you had a successful career, and then you became a client of my consulting firm, and this was all going on during the time that you were having your successful career, and I was building the firm. Yeah, and this is part of the data that caused me to want to hire you to help yeah, help yeah. me, right? I mean, that's that's. Yeah. It's a long time ago, my friend. Oh, yeah. That's 25 years, quarter century. Um, okay. So if you don't know, if you haven't listened, we've alluded to it a lot. We know that many of you come in at funny times in the process. Not funny for you, but we, we, we our experience, of course, with the entirety of our work is different than yours if you're just joining us as this is your first cast. As background, the foundation of our guidance comes from years of gathering data from managers and about managers 
in hundreds of organizations all over the world. At my previous firm, Horseman and Company, we gathered data about behaviors that were effective at clients, large and small, while recommending and then implementing and then measuring changes to managerial behaviors. Um, now, this data on what managers were doing was tracked on individual managers and then compared to results and retention outcome for those same individual managers. Now, keep in the back of your mind, guys, when we talk about results, we're talking about managerial results. But frequently, what you would be hearing if you listen to someone else talk about management consulting or management training or management in general, um, I have tons of textbooks on management, and they all talk about resources, and they don't talk about people all that much. Uh, they're talking about organizational outcomes, okay? So we track this stuff on individual managers, and I'll explain why that is. Hopefully, it's obvious, but I want to make sure the connection is made in this cast at least. Now, look, sometimes other data beyond just results and retention was gathered on the managers. Like if we were doing something that had customer contact, we might gather data for them on customer satisfaction score changes, assuming that they had an existing customer satisfaction metric and we would compare those scores before and after to based on changes in managerial behavior. Uh, but when we did that kind of stuff, that was client-specific and it was episodic, and we generally don't report on those results uh, because we didn't market ourselves as a customer service firm. Now, obviously, guys, think about that for a second. We weren't a customer service firm, but how might you improve customer service? Well, you might improve the results of individual managers and the retention of their people in the long term. Longer term employees will do better in customer service. Um, but you can see where there's a potential problem in that. Anyway, what's important about this um, is that the tracking of individual manager behaviors is unusual in the business that we're in. Typically, management consulting firms track data for firms or large divisions within them without connecting that data to individual manager behaviors. The assumption they make is that if their recommendations lead to improved organizational outcomes. I'll give you an example. For those of you who are of a certain age, you will remember the management fad around um, reorganization. Uh, oh gosh, I'm now I'm completely forgetting. I can picture the, the author of the book, Michael Hammer, uh, re-engineering, re-engineering the corporation. Um, Hey, if we make a recommendation and you implement our recommendations, not that the senior consultants cared about what individual managers were doing, then, hey, the recommendation was successful. Um, so you could argue that that's true. If I recommend you re-engineer your corporation and you re-engineer it and you get better results, that's great. It's true for organizational results, but not for individual managers. Large organizational consulting engagements, and by the way, the reason companies that are in our business do go after that is because that's where the big money is. Um, believe me, Mike and I didn't decide to get rich by, <laughs> by doing training. By giving away everything free? <laughs> giving away everything free and charging $200 for an annual license that gives you access to written material and so on. Um, 
you know, but those large engagements don't compare individual manager behaviors with organizational outcomes because individual manager behaviors aren't addressed in large-scale organizational consulting. They aren't measured. The difference with us, with our data, is that we always measured individual managerial behaviors and results. That's what we were measuring, not organizational outcomes, but managerial behaviors. And that this is the point I alluded to earlier. You can see there's a chicken and egg problem here. Many consulting firms would say that managerial behavior change may not lead to organizational outcomes. And in fact, they're right. Okay. Uh, it may not, although I've gotten sick of news headlines that say this policy may lead to that. Well, you could write that about <laughs> anything. I mean, you literally could create a sentence algorithm that says put uh, policy change and then enter whatever you want in an X and then uh, lead, may lead to Y. You could put the policy changes peanut butter and it may lead to eggs. It does. It's ludicrous anyway, but they're right. Technically you, we couldn't guarantee that if managers change their individual behavior, that your company will get better results because you could still have bad products um, and vice versa. Of course, on the other hand, our assumption is that organizational improvements aren't sustainable without managerial behavior change. More importantly than all that, though, in terms of the chicken and egg problem and the issue of individual managerial behavior changes, look, our approach is focused on managers, not on organizations. Even if an organization improves its results, if manager behaviors aren't measured during that improvement, we don't learn what makes for more effective managerial behavior. Since our approach has always been to help individual managers, that's what we measure. That's what we're looking for. We want to be able, Mike and I started Manager Tools to give you what we didn't have, which was believable guidance regarding what we should do as managers. And there's no other place that I'm aware that does this. Um, now, maybe we could argue about believable. Other people believe lots of stuff. Mike and I are engineers by schooling, and so... We need a little bit more than I recommend X or some CEO's book, which says this is what worked for me. Right. Well, if it's repeatable, it should be believable. Right. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, exactly. It is repeatable. Yeah. We have plenty of evidence of that. Yeah, exactly. Now, a little bit more context for you. That's a little bit of the history of the why, but what about the what? Um, types of organizations we work with. Client size started at two. Yeah, I mean that, guys. Two. We have data on manager managing one employee in a two-person company and went up to hundreds of thousands like the U.S. Army or Walmart. Uh, clients were in virtually every commercial industrial sector, hardware, software, technology, publishing, heavy industrial, construction, agriculture, food, textiles, utilities, education, including schools at all levels, energy, transport, you name it, okay? Included in our data is work with municipal organizations, state, national governments. 
I don't think we've worked with half of the states in the U.S., but close, maybe 20, something like that. And national government includes the military. Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard. Um, Federal government work included offices of elected officials in multiple countries, by the way, dudes, and administrations such as major cabinet offices. I think the British safety or OSHA equivalent was a client. Germany was harder, language barrier, um, but the transport organization there, we did a bunch of work there and measured those managers. And no, German managers are no different than French or American. I shouldn't have said French and German at the same time. Not because of history, but just because <laughs> French and Germans both think, boy, the other one's the worst in the world. Um, and people say you're not funny. Come on. I know. Come yeah, on. I'm not funny. I'm just willing to say things other people don't say. Um, yeah. And, and then also we worked in nonprofit organizations and academia at the college and university level, both on faculty side and administrative side, and high schools and elementary schools. And our data gathering happened at every level of these organizations. Don't believe an executive who tells you, no, that doesn't work. I'm not a manager, I'm an executive. Hogwash. She's an executive and she has managerial responsibilities. Yes, the, some of the detailed niceties of being a manager at the executive level are made a little bit simpler because the assumption is when an executive has gotten to that level, if she's managing another executive, the person wouldn't have gotten there if they didn't have reasonably competent managerial skills. That's not always true. But I'll give you a good example of how executive life is related to management life and yet different. There's an old saying that if you're, the way you know you're an executive at a commercial organization is you don't get a performance review. Now, most of you who are not executives get performance reviews. And you, if you're a manager, you also give them. But the old saying is, the way you know you're an executive is you don't get a performance review. And the reason for that is your performance review comes out every quarter in the finance section of the Wall Street Journal. So there you go. Meet your number. Simple. But look, we measured frontline managers all the way up to senior executives and in many cases, CEOs. Now look, full disclosure, guys, CEO data was really less reliable for all kinds of reasons. Schedules, workload, work product, all kinds of reasons. So uh, I don't think I have enough to be statistically significant and I wouldn't want to share it. Although... Obviously, I think a fair number of the people I've worked with in gathering data about literally CEOs doing one-on-ones, um, those folks are no longer there. Uh, and I will say as well that when I hear people tell me that they don't have time to do one-on-ones and I know CEOs and presidents who have done one-on-ones, I just kind of like, literally, your your view of the universe is not accurate, dude. You're not that guy. You're not so busy. As I've said before, you're just inefficient. And I'm not casting aspersions, guys. I know I could be more efficient too. Um, okay, going further. If you're wondering about international stuff, we gather data on six different continents, as I've said for thousands of times in front of audiences, uh, not Antarctica. No people, no budget, no golf, not going. 
And look, while it's not the subject of this guidance, all of our results and retention data for managers at all levels were relatively equal, listen carefully, across all continents, all ages, all levels, all industry sectors, academia, nonprofits, and government. Were there differences? Yes. Were those differences different depending upon the study? Yes. Were the differences appreciable, which caused us to wonder whether or not there was some systemic problem in any of them? No. There are far too many people who wish to protect their own managerial approach, for which they have no data themselves, who wish to quibble with data by suggesting that, well, academia is different because of this or that, and notice that in one case, uh, the improvement in a commercial growth was 7.6% improvement in results and retention, but in the academic case, it was 7.3%. And they attempt to explain that 0.3% difference with various cultural differences, which is ludicrous from a data perspective and even more ludicrous from a recommendation and behavioral perspective. But I'm trying to be direct without being rude. Finally, among data that led to conclusions about race and gender, and we have more than that, but when we look at the data that related, the number of managers we have measured that, that come into play with the data we'll share with you now are over half a million. All right. So half a million over nonprofits, for-profit, state, national, municipal, software, yeah, small, publishing, big. construction. Yeah. So, so, folks, I think the message here is, if you're thinking that this data does not apply to you and your organization, you're probably wrong, right? Yeah. As, as our good friend Michael Swinson likes to say, principles are things that are unchanging. It's like gravity. Gravity is a principle. You can jump off a building, but gravity won't suspend itself to save you. Same thing here. These are principles, guys. And we didn't invent them, by the way, though. The idea of know your people, talk about performance, ask for more, push work down. These were all existed before manager tools ever started. Okay? Good. We got the data. What does that data say about race? Well, this is actually kind of the easy part because I I just have a series of bullets that I'll I'll share. Race doesn't matter in managerial behavior, not among managers and not among directs. What I'm saying by that, guys, is when we compare managers of all races for which we gather data, there was no statistically significant difference in managers' improvements or results and retention scores based on their race. None. Further, Results were no different for managers of any race managing directs of any other race. It doesn't matter whether uh, an African-American is, ma is managing whites or a white manager is managing African-Americans. It doesn't. There are no appreciable differences. Now, I'm not saying we ask every single person how they feel. I'm saying that when we trained managers of different races on our basic behaviors and then 
measured their improvement over time, uh, there was no difference. And by the way, these uh, engagements lasted six months, nine months, a year, 18 months, two years, in some cases, two and a half years. You could not tell different races apart. If I showed you a chart showing the different races dispersion in improvements in results and retention, if I didn't label the races. Uh, I'm sure somebody can pick at that and feel free to do so. And it didn't matter, going a step further, it didn't matter whether you had a homogenous team, in other words, a white manager managing all white directs, or a black manager managing all black directs, or uh, a white manager managing three whites and seven African-Americans, or seven whites and three African-Americans, no difference. Managerial improvements in results and retention did not vary based on the race of the manager, whether the manager's race was the same or different from the plurality or majority of managerial race in our engagement or study. What this means is, it doesn't matter what your race is relative to the sample, the population that you are a part of. So if you're at XYZ Corporation, which is 80% Caucasian, and you're an African-American, our data show that you tend to improve the same. And by the way, sustain those improvements over at least a year as well at, or, or the same as anyone else of any other race. What about trust scores? Wasn't that a little yeah, different? Yeah, so, so this is interesting. I tried to stay away from trust scores, but, but it stands out in a way. And the reason we don't talk about trust, guys, is because I was just reading. I'm reading a book right now um, by Marcus Buckingham. I'm forgetting the title of it. I'm sorry. But one of the things that has been informing this discussion, this pre preparation of this cast, is um, I've been thinking about the concept of engagement and and how we generally don't talk about engagement and and the reason why is because engagement um is an artifact uh, it is not a result it is not um a measure that i feel strongly about I'm not saying that other people don't disagree in fact i generally like mr buckingham's work i admire him a great deal i think he's done groundbreaking work particularly when he was at gallup I, if you're familiar with strengths finder that came out of his original work. But the problem I have is when you really dig into the concept of engagement, engagement doesn't exist. In other words, uh, the way you find out engagement is you take a test. And the test was created by the people who are me measuring engagement. That's sort of a sketchy psychosocial construct. What's more, when you read the engagement study, and, and by the way, I respect Mr. Buckingham, would love to spend an afternoon with him just talking about management. Uh, when you read the eight questions that they ask, they're all about how people feel. Now, they then suggest that when they connect that with organizational results, they say, well, these people feel better and their results are better, so therefore you need to work harder to make your people feel better. Long-time listeners will know how we feel about that. Right. But trust is not 
what or, what matters to organizations. It's like engagement. Now, I, I would argue trust is a much more powerful, much stronger issue than engagement because it it, it asks, again, engagement is generally measured by how you feel, um, whereas trust generally involves another person. It, it involves a measure, admittedly personal, and so that's where we get a little squishy here, regarding my relationship, which by the by definition in an organization is necessary and therefore potentially important, my relationship with someone else. Um, but as we've said before, Generally speaking, in the organization world, after 50 years, trust is a well-established marker of likelihood of success. And when uh, when the high-performing teams work came out 35 years ago or so, they, they said trust was the watchword of high-performing teams. And that data has been repeated so often that it's generally accepted that trust is a good way to measure relationships. High trust team environments tend to produce higher results. And because we talk about trust at manager tools, because it's an easy thing for people to understand. And uh, as a 12 year old, let me put it this way. As a 12 year old, you know roughly what trust is, but you have no idea what engagement is. Trust, I think, is much more endemic to the human condition than engagement. And engagement, of course, didn't exist until they came up with a survey that you had to buy. So trust scores of managers from the standpoint of directs did show a statistically significant greater improvement Guys, don't let's be clear. I'm not talking about a much greater improvement. I'm just saying an improvement that was statistically significant when the manager's race was different from the majority of the directs. I'm going to try to simplify that by saying when managers implement manager tools guidance and their results are different than uh, I'm sorry, when their uh, race is different than their directs, uh, they get a greater increase in the level of trust between them and that individual than they would, than they do in our data, between people, uh, if, if they're managing someone else who is the same race as the manager. Does it start at a lower point in general or no? You know, I don't have that data in front of me. I don't know. Yeah, and I wouldn't want you to guess, uh, right? We're talking about data. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I just don't know. I think that would be the assumption. But but I'll tell you something. Uh, I've learned that when it comes to this assumption, the single biggest thing fighting against data is people's own beliefs based on their individual experience, which is funny because we have a saying here that the plural of anecdote is not data. But if you only have, you, the plural of anecdote would be anecdotes. Two things. Most managers don't have anything approaching that. They have a series of incidental incidents without guiding principles, and they say, this is how I manage. Uh, the high C managers in Silicon Valley that we've often talked about that say, no, the, I, I need to see the data in detail. Look at them. I finally got to the point of saying, what data do you have about your approach? Oh, I don't have any. Then 
why why do you think examining the data set around another recommendation would be useful? In fact, what I would suggest is since you apparently don't need any data at all in order to manage because you're a manager and you don't have any data and you're managing, I would think if data is important to you, you would want to gather data about the comparison of the outcomes that you get with your existing non-data-driven behavioral set by comparing it to a set of behavior that we recommend. Why don't you gather some data about what happens among your team and then change your behavior and see what happens? That would be an experiment, in fact. And I've had people... I've I had I've said something like that to people and their response is I'm good with where I am. You know, that's just all you've got there is a a bias against change. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. But the data support that human beings are naturally uh, you know, we pay more attention to negativity than we do to positively positivity. And it doesn't surprise me. But the idea that they believe that they are somehow holier than thou by suggesting they need data to make recommendations and changes. Ludicrous. Okay, let me go further. And and I may be saying this a little bit differently, but I have found when it comes to describing data, I try very hard to hew to the data, but at the same time, I try to rephrase it so that people might hear it differently. Whether a team of directs were the same race as the manager or racially different results were similar. Whether there was one person of different race than the manager or many among the team, results and and retention improvements were essentially unchanged. Differences were statistically insignificant. If you want a little bit more detail, in 17 engagements in which data were gathered, there was a slightly greater, though still, still statistically insignificant, improvement of manager's results when the manager's race was different than the majority or the largest plurality of their team. That said, there were also 13 engagements where managers with a race different than the majority or plurality had slightly lower improvements in results and retention, again, statistically insignificantly. Bottom line, guys, we have never found any evidence that race makes any difference in effective managing. But it's more than that. We have evidence evidence that race makes no difference. Now, for the record, we have no data on ethnicity. We define race as biological. You may choose to disagree and we would respect that, Uh, but we need to have a common set of terms and we need to agree on what they mean when when we're gathering data. Race is biological. Ethnicity tends to be associated with culture. Ethnicity is much more complicated. Think about the Chinese, uh, the person born in China to Chinese parents and at the age of two moves to Indianapolis when he's a senior in high school and you ask him, what's his ethnicity? One one person might say Chinese-American, another one might say American-Chinese, another person might say Chinese, and another person might say American. So because of that, we would argue it's impossible to gather enough data relative to managerial behavior in a professional construct to analyze it against all possible choices of ethnic self-selection. But you know what? Someday somebody surely will, and if it warrants new guidance, we'll test it and we'll deliver it. That's what we do. Don't you just hate people whose birthdays are in January and February? By the way, folks, I don't write these ads. I'm just recording it. Uh, I don't 
think you should do that. But Wendy's point is you just spend all your present buying mojo on a great Christmas present and you're all out of ideas. Well, we have a gift for you. For a new manager or someone who wants to be a manager, get them a copy of the Effective Hiring Manager. A hard copy makes the perfect size gift and has a nice flat spot on top for a bow. So says Wendy. And by the way, I wrote the book and it's not bad. And on February 18th of 2020, it will be available in audiobook. But if you don't like the sound of my voice, don't get it because I'm the one that recorded the audiobook. Okay. What did the data say about gender? Let me just talk about gender. We refer to the differences among male and female managers as gender. It would probably be more academically accurate to call it sex, but I don't like saying sex on our podcast, so we're going to call it gender. Okay? And at the time of this data gathering, the world of non-binary gender didn't exist in a way that was significant socially. And so we didn't collect data for any gender other than male and female. Okay. So, so should we ask people to guess ahead of time what the effects of gender are on management? Yeah, sure. I mean, they're both in the same cast. So maybe, you know, in hindsight now, I'm sitting here thinking we should have done two separate casts. But from a management perspective, there's no difference. So why, why not have them in one cast? From a popular culture's perspective, they're different. So uh, judge me as you wish, folks. Uh, but yeah, if you wanted to guess, let's go down the list. Gender doesn't matter in managerial behavior, not among managers and not among directs. Full stop. Results were no different for managers of either gender managing directs of the opposite gender. Men managing women, women managing men, women managing some men and some women, women managing one man and many women, or vice versa, any way, shape, or form. Managerial improvements in results and retention did not vary based on the gender of the manager, whether the manager's gender was the same or different from the plurality or majority of managerial gender, gender in our engagements or studies. If you are a woman in a largely male organization, managerial behavior is available to you. And if you engage in the behaviors, your scores, your improvements will be just as much as a male who does the same thing. We are not saying about race and gender, and we'll cover more of this in a second, that bias and bigotry and misogyny don't exist. They do. We can't solve that problem except by having more people of different races and genders and more positions of leadership. And if you want to do that, our guidance, our recommendation is to follow our guidance. Managers of both genders had greater improvements in their trust scores among directs of the opposite gender. Now, this begs the question that you just asked about race, Mike. Were they lower? I don't have that data, and I, I wish I did. Meaning, if someone looks different than you, different race, different gender, uh, you start out with a lower trust score. And in the vast majority of the cases that we have, Managers were not doing one-on-ones. There was nothing about 
developing relationships as part of their training. And so some people could argue, well, you've never tested a a fully manager tools trained environment to see racial differences. Yeah, and we're not going to because that's not what we do. Yeah. I asked the question because in my head, I believe that, right? That's that's yeah, that's a bias I have in my head. It's like, yeah, there's two different, you know, two different people, different gender, different race, different speak a different language, whatever. They start off with less less trust. Um, All things be equal. What do I know? I have no data to support that. <laughs> yeah, well, there are there whether you don't have whether you have the data or not is irrelevant. There is data. We tend to like people who look and sound like us. Sure. All things being equal, which of course they never are. Please, which they rarely are, or never are. Folks, please don't write to me and tell me that you're a woman and you have a lot of male friends. That's an anecdote. And speaking of that, women make just as good managers as men do. Okay. And folks, I'll just tell you, if you're relatively new to the podcast, I would wish for you the ability to go back through all 12 or 13 or 1500 of our podcasts, years and years and years of guidance, and count the number of male and female pronouns in the podcast and discover that they're statistically insignificant from being dead on equal. And I know because I write these podcasts in advance. Mike and I have them in front of us as we're recording. This particular soliloquy is not in the show notes. The idea that your race or your gender makes you more or less fit to be a manager, to be an executive, to be a leader is so repugnant to us. We did not put out this data years ago. Because we simply assumed that no one that had such repugnant thoughts would ever get to the point of being in a situation where they're a manager, even though obviously we knew that did happen. Men are not better managers than women. And by the way, nor are women more collaborative. I hear about this all the time, ludicrous. Or that they're more communicative, ludicrous. Okay. Women and men become equally more effective as managers when they engage in our recommended guidance of getting to know their directs, talking about performance, asking for more, and pushing work down. I'm not saying that the world in outside of organizational life, professional life, isn't different than it was 25 years ago. I'm saying as it relates to managerial constructs of behavior and organizational professional life, Men and women are interchangeable in terms of their behaviors and their potential effectiveness. Women were not better managers of men, despite this silly pop culture theme that women don't make good managers of women because they fight all the time. Jeez. There's no data to support that, guys. When you read a magazine article that says, oh, women are bad managers of other women, and here's the things you can do, they always start with a really egregious anecdote. That's an anecdote, guys. God forbid they let the government run based on anecdote rather than data. Um, Improvements in results and retention were similar among mixed and homogenous gender teams. It just doesn't matter. So what what does this all mean for our listeners? Well, we're not into cosmic meaning or anything, but I use this as a last point to cover a few things that are essentially implied or suggested or hinted at in the data 
And I thought I'd spend a minute and talk about our approach and what we think about what we just shared. Guys, as we've said for 15 years now, ooh, by the way, this is a podcast about gender, and I just said guys. Of course, at a recent client, I was accused of being gender insensitive by using the word dude and describing dude as being gender neutral when it has been all my life. Um, but regardless, as we've said for 15 years now, effective managers manage individuals. It is ineffective to manage someone based on a group they belong to, whether that group is different than your group or not. We don't manage Asian engineers the same based on the group or silly biases that are routinely bantered about regarding that group. We don't manage all Caucasian marketing associates a different way than everyone else because they're Caucasian marketing associates. And there are all kinds of stupid pop culture beliefs about that, and they're wrong and offensive, and we don't do it. We manage the individual. We manage each individual, not them as part of a group that they relate to. Hey, dude, in <laughs> non-male, non-female, but in this case, you are male, obviously. Yeah. Um, did you look at age in your stuff? And, and, we did. and is the results similar to? Well, I think we have a cast on millennials, don't we? We, we certainly have I'm the sure Wendy Curve cast, which describes cultural differences being trivial and yes there's no there's no group age gender race geography in any way that has any appreciable differences regarding managerial behaviors yeah um now you could make the connection that uh, you could argue and it'd be a worthy study to do that age goes up uh, as you progress in your career and so hypothetically, you might want to you might want to hypothesize that trust improvements are smaller as you get more senior because there's more trust associated with you and your role. That the problem with that is you'd have to now you'd have to start looking at the level the person is at because there are 40-year-old frontline managers. It gets harder and harder to capture large enough samples of the population that you can draw good conclusions about this. But look, effectiveness doesn't come from the group that you belong to. Our data reinforces that. Everyone is capable of effectiveness irrespective of group. Everyone is capable of greatness irrespective of the group they're in. And look, as we laid out in our guidance in the Windy Curve, uh, when you know, you, you believe uh, and probably 99% of you who are listening have no access to the data, even though the data is widely available through Google searches. Um, but, but if you believe that Americans are different than Japanese in some interesting cultural behavior, uh, that, that's fine. In fact, you're right, but only in a scientific way. Because if I put a bell curve on the graph uh, for Americans, and then I put a bell curve on the graph for Japanese, the bell curves are almost identical. They are statistically significantly different. For instance, on a scale of one to seven, Japanese 
I'm making this update, folks. I'm just giving you a silly example. The Japanese are thought to respect their elders particularly highly, and they score a, I'm going to make this up, a 5.0 on a seven-point scale. Americans don't score that higher. They score a 4.8. So the difference, the mean of of the two large samples is 4.8 and 5.0 on a scale of one to seven. The problem is individual differences. This is scientifically proven, guys. Individual differences between two people in one group are far more likely to be larger than the mean of the differences between any two groups. Because the mean difference here is 0.2. And by the way, that 0.2, determining a 0.2 difference on a seven-point scale, what is that? That's one-fifth. It's one-thirty-fifth. It's a 3% difference. If you can tell the 3% difference between two people's behaviors, controlling for all contextual and other factors relating to their behavior, you're a superhuman being. You don't, you don't exist. Um, you're in fantasy land. You can't do it. And look, while there are, I, just be clear, there are statistically noticeable differences among groups. They are versu- virtually impossible to manage around because of individual differences. Group differences are statistically significant, but slight and impossible to notice dispassionately. Full disclosure, guys, we expected to see race and gender differences simply because so many people believe it and people act on their beliefs. And so therefore, men somehow suppress women or white men suppress black men or black women and so on. But in fact, that behavior was unmeasured. Uh, our, Our data suggests that it's not so. Look, you only have to hear a manager say once, well, I'm going to manage her I'm going to manage her differently because she's a woman to know the truth of our guidance. Now, is the world a different place than it was several years ago when this data was gathered? Surely it is. But at the same time that pop culture suggests that race and gender are even more of an issue, the professional world has become imminently more diverse and for the better, and for all, and not just for the professionals, but for the customers they serve and the world at large. Greater diversity means greater attention must be paid by managers to earn the trust of each of their directs and colleagues, regardless of race or gender or whatever group. Every professional is worthy of individual respect, not respect born of their group, The way to earn that respect is to treat them as an individual, not as a cardboard cutout representative of their cultural, racial, gender, or ethnic group. And on a personal note, the reason we're delivering this guidance now is because I was accused of being a racist at a recent client visit for refusing to teach how to combat white privilege among managers because I was white. And after I shared our data... I was told that the data were inaccurate. Guys, trust, respect, and professional love are individual choices. You make them. And those choices can be supported by behaviors that are available to all, regardless of your group.
Well said. Isn't it great when the data supports your personal beliefs? Right? I, like, yeah. I mean, when you said you're going to do a podcast on this, I said, man, I hope, I hope the data yeah. is consistent with what I believe to my soul, right? Yeah. So let me, let me summarize real quickly. Despite pop culture's belief to the contrary, race and gender are not significant factors in effective management behaviors and outcomes. Our data show that conclusively. Again, this is not to say there's no bias or bigotry in organizations. There is. There always will be. You know, darkness is inside all of us. But managing across races and genders doesn't require different behaviors. Effective management is available to all and favorable for all, even when practiced by someone from a different race or gender than you. Amen. This week, folks, our long-term licensee shout-out goes to Ugo Savino, who has been with us since August of 06. Ugo has been a regular listener and user during virtually our entire time doing this. Ugo, we'd like to say thanks. I see your name periodically in emails. Um, I know we've corresponded. It means a lot that you trust us for these past 15 years, and we look forward to many more years of serving you. Thank you, Ugo Savino. All right, my friend. Enjoyed it. Thanks, partner. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week, guys.